Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 to 16. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 to 16. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying, he ascended. What does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower, lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed and tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into, in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined Join and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of God. Good evening, church. Just to um, correct a little bit of a mistake there uh, with um, the family news. Uh, if you are new, the QR code that you ought to scan is the one at the back there, uh, just so that we can connect with you and get uh, in touch with you about um, life here at Christ Church Midran and help you take the next step, uh, which is joining a life group. As Sean said, there's a list of life groups to try and to join. Um, if you are a young adult, the tribe is a good um, life group to join. The tribe is led by Black. They meet here every, every Wednesday. So please chat to him after the service. Uh, just to say, if you are new as well, uh, we want to gift you with a gift bag. Um, that has chocolate in there, um, just to help you again uh, feel welcome uh, and to assimilate to life here at church. If you're not coming to Revive, what are you doing on that uh, weekend of the 28th? I hope that you will chat to me uh, and that you'll come through to Revive. The student team is planning the Saturday night. Saturday night is called Saturday Night Live. At Saturday Night Live, it's going to be lit. Uh, this, <laughs> they say, somebody said I'm competitive. I'm not. I just, uh, uh, I'm passionate about the things I do. <laughs> um, so it's good to have you join us this evening. By the way, my name is David. Uh, sorry for not introducing myself. I'm one of the pastors here at, um, at the church. We've been working our way through Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, keep it open to Ephesians. What we're going to do this evening is that we're going to focus on 
the first six verses instead of the whole uh, chapter, instead of the whole reading, and then next week we'll pick up uh, from verse 7 towards the end. Uh, So we're going to be focusing in on Ephesians chapter 4, just verses 1 to 6, and uh, verses 7 to uh, verse 16, we're going to see that uh, the following, uh, following week. Uh, just to remind you that that verse uh, in verse 7 to 16 has a lot of uh, the theme of ascension uh, in church tradition across uh, the world. This coming Thursday we'll be celebrating ascension. Uh, you're welcome to join our school assembly uh, in the morning at 8 o'clock uh, as we celebrate Ascension Day. So you're invited to that. Um, just to remind you also that in the morning service, we started a series in the Minor Prophets, uh, and that series is what we do in our live groups. Uh, so if you miss it, just go online. I would encourage you to go to the morning service, but just stay here. Ne? Um, go online, listen to those sermons, and then uh, join one of our live groups. Amen. Uh, Let me pray that God will help us as we get into chapter 4 of Ephesians. Father, we are so thankful to you. We're thankful that uh, we can come tonight and to hear from you. We're thankful that your word is a medication that soothes us when we are aching, uh, that it reminds us that we belong, not because of anything we've done, but because of all that Christ has done. And today I pray, Lord, as Paul walks us through living this life of belonging, I pray that you'd empower your, uh, the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we are in chapter 4, and just to recap us, if you are joining us uh, for the very first time or you haven't been uh, with us, remember what we looked at in chapter 1, 2, 3 is Paul outlining for us what it means to be part of uh, the family of God. So that's all that we've been doing, right? Paul has been saying, you belong. You belong to a family. You belong to a new family. If you are a Christian, if you've crossed the line of faith, if you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, something transitions. You move uh, from a place of being a child of disobedience uh, to a child of God. You belong uh, and I was preaching at a different church this morning. I was preaching the first chapter, and I just remember what we spoke about. I remember the, uh, the, the, uh, us talking about belonging as a smell, uh, and we mentioned all those different smells that uh, resemble belonging. Uh, I, I added two more to that list. Uh, part of the uh, belonging smell is the smell of lucky starfish. And Bukhobe Bating. I don't know if you know Bukhobe Bating. It's a fermented pub. That's the smell of home. Uh, the smell of home uh, is there. The smell of home is, as we said, cobra floor polish uh, on a, and, uh, and the sound of 80s music uh, playing behind, um, behind you on a, on, a, on a Saturday. It is a, the feeling of home. It is this feeling that you belong to a secure environment. Uh, I don't know if you had a grandmother, but it was that warmth of a DeFi coal stove. You had those, uh, those classic ones. Uh, that is belonging. Belonging is family. And in, my, in as much as we're talking about Mother's Day, uh, the emphasis of Ephesians is father, the fatherhood of God, uh, that God is our father, not because we went out looking for him like many South African fathers, uh, but this father is a different one who goes out to search for his children and bring them into his space, 
That's chapter 1, 2, 3. Now that you are a child, how should you live out your life? And so Paul goes on to uh, speak about what it means to be a part of this family, what it means to step in into relationships that are difficult, what it means to step in when people step on your toes, uh, to continue in this attitude of belonging into uh, a family. Uh, so I just wanted us to, to give to have that recap as we venture into chapter 4, because chapter 4 is a transition to application. Uh, you belong. This is how you should live as somebody who's part of uh, the house. Uh, I wanted to begin with a uh, picture, a story. Uh, this is the story of uh, Netflix. Um, in, on, last year, on the 21st of April, News 24 posted an article which is titled, Are You Still Watching? Uh, and the article goes on to say that Netflix uh, loses 35% of their share price on the stock market. That's $800 billion, uh, down the drain. Uh, that's more than the COVID relief. You remember that $500 billion? <laughs> of course, you don't remember it. Um, but there was the article um, that 800 billion had gone, and this was shocking to everyone because for 10 years straight, Netflix was on the on the rise. Everyone had a Netflix uh, account or somebody else's account. Uh, that uh, how many of us watch Netflix on our devices? You can raise your hand at this stage. Uh, we all have Netflix. Uh, but what was happening and the reason for the plunge in the stock uh, price is that, one, there was more competition, uh, so Netflix was losing a lot of its subscribers. In fact, about uh, 200,000 at that stage. And they were projecting that over 20 million people will leave Netflix to join other uh, platforms uh, like Disney Plus and Amazon Plus. Uh, One investment director said this. He said that the big problem with Netflix is that it's too easy to leave the service. Uh, It's too easy to just opt in and opt out of the service. In fact, if there's a better offer out there than Netflix, uh, you will just uh, choose to to use that service. Uh, Those who subscribe to Netflix are not there for loyalty. We just are there for the views. And if it's boring like it is uh, because you scroll through, have you ever done that exercise where you scroll through Netflix and you're like, wow, what's there to watch here? So many options, but it doesn't seem like there's a good thing to watch. What am I paying for? What do you do? You end up unsubscribing and finding whatever it is that's new. So for 10 years, it was on the rise. Last year, around April, May, uh, it plunged down and people unsubscribed. Now, the question that I want to pose to you is, what what if we were to approach human relationships this way? Uh, What if we were to approach human relationship the same way that we approach Netflix. Like, if this thing is not working for me, I'm just going to hit unsubscribe and leave the service. I'm going to find something that works for me. And uh, are you guys saying amen to this? <laughs> what is happening? We, we need a bit of discipleship uh, in, in, in this church. Uh, think about the, the parent, the relationship with your parents. Uh, think about, of it if it was Netflix. Um, where you just have a family meeting with them and say to them, guys, as you can see yourself, uh, the, price, <laughs> the price of petrol is on the rise. Uh, these trips to Hamanskral need to stop uh, today. Um, 
Tepo's parents stay closer. So what I'm going to do is unsubscribe uh, to this relationship and I'm going to go off and visit uh, his parents during Easter. Um, what would you do? How would that go about? What if it was your kids uh, where sometimes uh, you raise them, as Mom Zondo uh, said, sometimes it gets tough and difficult, uh, and maybe you look at them and say, uh, let's have a family meeting because... Uh, uh, the Mazibuko kids are getting straight A's. Uh, you guys don't listen. Uh, you guys um, are demanding you eat too much. Uh, you cost me too much money. I'm replacing you with a new service provider. Thank you very much for uh, all the 12 years. Uh, that's when they start giving you problems around 13 or so. Uh, what if this was your wife? It got a bit tense there. Just, just for a moment. Uh, what if you were to walk up to her and say, well, uh, beauty seems like at this stage uh, she's a much better option. Uh, and it's, uh, I know those are quite painful things because for many of us, that's the reality. Maybe she cooks better, listens better. Maybe she doesn't complain as much as you do. You just complain. And I know Proverbs says a complaining wife, it's better to stay in the streets than with you. We, we're always fighting. This thing is not working for me. Let's unsubscribe to this relationship. Uh, I'm going to go off uh, and find another service provider. What, what if that's your husband, uh, where you tell him, less, man, it's been eight years now. I've told you time and time again about the socks. <laughs> Ladies, do you know the socks situation? Uh, you don't have to confess your dislike for him leaving his socks everywhere. You've had the conversation week in, week out. You had a conversation about him just leaving the cups all over. Uh, you've had that conversation over and over again. It hurts you uh, because you value your home as a space, uh, and he doesn't, he doesn't see it that way. Uh, and you think to yourself, man, Spamanda from work is a much better friend. Uh, he sometimes buys me coffee. Uh, I need to cancel my subscription uh, and move away from this relationship. What, what if it was your friend? Friends, uh, perhaps that's an easier one to unsubscribe from. Uh, hashtag cancel uh, toxic people in your life. Hashtag new year. Uh, bring, out, bring out with the old, in with uh, the new. What if you were to one day have a, a video chat with your friend during a coffee break from work and say, well, friend... I know we've been together for, for since high school, but this thing is not working for me uh, because as it stands, I found new, new friends. And they do much more fun activities. Unlike you, you're always boring. You always want us to stay indoors and we listen to your problems. This is just not working for me. I'm going to unsubscribe. What if we were to approach relationships uh, the way we approach our subscription to Netflix, that when the going gets tough, you just unsubscribe from it. It's a service that you opt into, uh, and when it doesn't suit your needs anymore, you unsubscribe. Uh, of course, it's absurd when you think of it that way, isn't it? But why is it that when it comes to the way we think about church and the relationships around church, we treat it like a Netflix subscription? Uh, that you, we very often, let me not say you, we uh, tend to approach church in this way, that it's a net, Netflix service, and I'm going to subscribe to this service in as far as it benefits me, in as far as it 
uh, it produces good stuff for me. And as far as it suits my needs, uh, when I don't like the teaching anymore, when I don't like the music anymore, somebody said something that upset me deeply, and I just don't think I can forgive them. I wonder if you've ever been there. Uh, I need to go find another church. Uh, And because we live in a society where there's million churches Every square mile, and square mile, I listen to too much American stuff. Every square kilometer of Midrand uh, has a church that you can go to uh, that perhaps can give you a service that fits your, your need. Uh, what if you were to treat Jesus and church uh, this way and ask church, what, what do you have to offer me? Um, if, you, if you stop offering me what I need, I'm going to, uh, to live uh, and so it is the reality because we live in a consumer culture. We live in a culture of Netflix subscriptions uh, that very often it looks like church is a subscription project uh, that we can simply leave. Uh, but what we see in Ephesians, if we pay careful attention to this call, this uh, presentation of the gospel that Paul gives to the Christians that they belong, uh, that's something powerful in of itself because as we say in our church, if we are a redeemed family of servants on mission, it means we family. It means in the same way that you can't tell your parents that I'm unsubscribing from you, it is the same weight that you should carry as you think about church. Uh, that people should look at you and say, man, your church is cultish a bit, isn't it? <laughs> it seems like you're too deep in there and they mingle too much in your personal life. Um, it seems like uh, you step in and make sacrifices for this church and this community. What's wrong with you? Uh, church should look more like family than a Netflix subscription. Uh, and here's the thing about family. Family is difficult. Amen. Amen. Family is difficult. Amen. Oh, you guys come from perfect families. I'm now one of my WhatsApp groups uh, is uh, a cousin of mine wanting to reconcile the family and some people are asking, why do we need to be reconciled? Uh, we're not fighting. And I'm like, of course you're fighting. You're not talking to that one. Uh, that's family, amen. I'm hanging out dirty laundry on out there. Um, uh, you guys are perfect. You come from perfect families. Um, family is difficult. And in the difficult moments, uh, this concept of belonging, this idea of the gospel pushes us deeper into commitment. Instead of favoring convenience, instead of favoring comfort, it pushes us deeper into stepping into uh, difficult moments. And that's what Paul says as he transitions uh, in chapter 4. The main verb that we see there, uh, just to give you uh, an idea of what, what is happening here, the main verb that Paul says is urging, I urge you, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you. He's encouraging them. He's sitting with them as if he were a father, speaking to them kindly about how they ought to, uh, to engage with one another. He urges them to do two things. One is to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, in a manner of unity, in stepping into uh, family uh, and the difficulty that is uh, with this desire for unity. So that's what he urges them to do, to walk in unity, not only that, but to be eager to do that in verse 3. Uh, so verse 1, I urge you to walk, uh, but verse 3, he says uh, to, that you ought to be eager uh, in how you walk 
as people who belong, as people who are part of uh, the family. So we're going to see um, one, uh, two things rather. One is the ingredients for belonging, the ingredients for uh, this unity, and then secondly, the motivation uh, to seek this unity. Uh, so the motivation to seek the unity and then uh, the ingredients that make up this unity. The things that we need to step into when difficult moments arises, when somebody steps on your toe, when you, when you feel like uh, unsubscribing to, to church. Uh, Paul says, have a look at verse 1, uh, just to orient our way through what he says to these guys. He says, I, therefore, um, anytime you see, therefore, it's pointing to what has come before. What has come before is what he has just said, that they belong. And then he calls himself a prisoner for the Lord, which would have been a very countercultural thing back in his day because he is assuming a position of shame and humility. He's assuming a position of what he is about to call them uh, into. Uh, I, therefore, he's beginning to apply the gospel into their lives. Uh, what does he say? I urge you to walk. Uh, now, that's a, such a Christian way of speaking uh, about doing life, isn't it? Um, you hear Christians often asking you, how's your walk with Jesus? Uh, that's not how we speak as people. Uh, walk simply uh, signifies your way of life, that you ought to uh, make your way of life a way that is worthy of the calling that you I have received. Eight times, in fact, in Ephesians, Paul calls the Christians uh, to walk, to order their behavior in a particular way, uh, to order their behavior in uh, a way that resembles that of Christ. Uh, one commentator says that for the first three chapters, Paul talks to them about sitting. And then for the last three chapters, he talks to them about walking. Uh, so first chapters, he talks about sitting and being secure in your belonging. Uh, remember in chapter 1, he says, together we are seated with Christ as sons uh, in the throne room. Uh, you may feel like in your Christian life that that is not your experience, but that is your reality, that you are right now seated with Christ on high. That is the reality of uh, being part of a Christian family. Uh, why do you sit in that seat? Uh, it is not because of anything that you have done, anything that you deserve, but because of all that Christ has done. So he first tells you to sit. And as a Christian, you need to remember that you ought to sit. Before you do anything, before you want to live the Christian life, remember to sit and be secure. That God, when he looks at you, uh, he sees you as his son. And after you sit... Paul goes on to say that you ought to walk. So in other ways, to live the Christian life, you've got to be sitting um, in the heavenlies so that you can walk here on earth. Uh, so that's what he calls them to in verse 1. Uh, so we're going to see the ingredients, and I'm going to give them to you, um, the ingredients of this unity that is calling them to, this way of life that is calling them to. It's the ingredients of humility, verse 2. Have a look at it. He's calling them to a life of unity. Unity, the ingredient of it is humility and gentleness. Uh, it is patience and bearing with one another. Uh, we will come back to that. But let's first look at the gospel motivation uh, for this unity. Uh, have a look at... Have a look at verses 4 till 6. 
This is Paul giving them the reasons for why they ought to carry out verses 1 to 3. He reminds them of who they are. There is one body. There is one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's over all and through all and in all. Seven times Paul uses the idea of oneness. Seven times he uses this concept that they belong to this one family. Seven times he reminds them that they are part of one body. Seven times he reminds them of the reality rather than the experience. The experience for them was division. The experience for them was inward fight, uh, personality clashes. But the reality is that they were united. Um, the, the gospel reality is that they're united. And this reality ought to make them and push them to live as if they are who they are, uh, to live out who they are. Now, just to say that as we think of our own reality as well, the reason why we step out of communities, the reason why we are so hurt and angered by other Christians that we walk away uh, and we are not willing to step in into the difficulty of those relationships. Part of the reason is because sometimes we live in the reality of our lives rather than the reality of the heavenlies. Amen. Rather than the reality of who we are, we focus so much on our differences, difference of personalities. That person drives me up the wrong way, therefore I'm not going to step into unity. We focus so much on uh, the differences that we have, our upbringings, Somebody said that no two people live in, grow up in the same household. Okay, so nobody grows in the same household. So that means even in your own household, you, you may have a brother or sister, but you both grow up in a different family. What it means is that if you are a firstborn child, you experience different parents to the secondborn, which means none of us. There's so many things that would divide us. There's so many things that would rub you off the wrong way, apart from personalities, apart from uh, upbringing. Ethnicity in South Africa is a big one. It's always bubbling under the surface. There's always somebody who's going to do something out there in the news, and the whole country is going to go up in arms. Uh, we're going to focus in on the reality of what divides us as a nation uh, versus what keeps us together as a people. Amen. Um, but Paul reminds them that they are one body. Uh, somebody say one body. If you are a Christian, you belong to one body, which means that you cannot unsubscribe from that body. Amen. You can never hear a foot saying, unless it's filled with gangri, to say, man, I, I don't feel like this body anymore. Uh, I want to unsubscribe. That is not the reality. Because we are one body, we want to maintain and be motivated to maintain that unity. We have one spirit which comes from God. You remember in the last uh, couple of weeks uh, back, uh, Paul reminded us that the Holy Spirit of God lives in believers. Uh, So if you are a believer, you and I share the same spirit. Uh, So that is the motivation uh, to keep the unity of this same spirit. You and I have the same hope. In other ways, we have the same ambitions in life. We have the same ambition to see Christ Jesus transforming this world, transforming our society, and transforming it in the, the, even after death. Uh, so that is our hope. Uh, Paul reminds these Christians that they have 
uh, one hope. Uh, they have one Lord, which is uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, late, earlier on, he says that uh, God's plan is to bring together all people under the lordship of this one Lord. Uh, there is one faith. There is one thing that brings us into a relationship with God, and that is our belief and faith in Jesus Christ. Um, that is the reality of who we are. That is the reality of what keeps us together. There's one baptism, and then he lines it all together with the six. This is the underlining. This is the seventh one that he speaks of. There is one God and Father of all. You guys have one Father. Who is over all and through all. And in all, this God, this Father lives in all of you. So if you've ever been hurt by a Christian, if you've ever been in a difficult space where you feel like, I want to leave church because of so-and-so, remember this motivation. Remember that you have the same Father with them. You might run away from them in this life, but uh, you'll be together for them, with them in eternity. So you might as well start living like the eternity. Now, with all of that said... I don't want to perpetuate um, unhealthy relationships, okay? Uh, so there are times in life where you need to leave. Uh, there are times in life where you need to, as you've had conversation with someone and they lack repentance and the fruit of the Spirit, uh, that you need to unsubscribe, okay? But that is the exception rather than the norm. Very often we are quick to unsubscribe and find it difficult to reach in deeper into relationships, amen, uh, because we live in a consumerist culture, and you can go find any, like, good, there's good churches everywhere around Jobek, uh, and you can un, unsubscribe, uh, but Paul is reminding them, and reminding us this evening of our oneness, and this oneness is the thing that keeps us together. This oneness is the thing that motivates us uh, when uh, this, um, there's difficult a moment, a difficult situation, and can I guarantee you, with any human relationship, there will be difficulty. The reason, if we pick up these four things that Paul says to them, which is our second point, the ingredients of living and stepping into unity, humility, when do you need to be humble? Is it when times are good or times are bad? When do you need to be gentle with somebody? Well, it's, if, when it's tough to exercise gentleness, when you feel like just clapping somebody, <laughs> Paul says, be gentle. Um, it is like a load-shedding tool. You only need it when the power is off. Um, you need this kind of tools when uh, life gets difficult. Humility is this idea of thinking about others as much more important than yourself. What would happen to church? What would happen to families? What would happen to marriages? What would happen to relationships if we were to put the other person first? Something powerful would happen, isn't it? Uh, we know that we live in a, a world, we know that we live in relationships where that is not often the case. Very often, as Paul Tripp calls it, there's a fourth member of the Trinity, which is me, myself, and I. Any relationship that you step into, you bring that baggage with you. And I know as I'm speaking, you're probably thinking, yeah, the other person must be humble. The other person must put me first. But that's the opposite of what Paul is calling us to. Uh, he's calling us to a life of humility uh, and gentleness. 
Uh, humility is thinking about the other person uh, before yourself. Gentleness is exercising the same grace that you received in chapter 1, 2, 3, extending that grace towards the other person. I've received grace, therefore I'm going to be gracious towards other, uh, others. Uh, God has been gentle with me, therefore I'm going to be gentle with the other person. I'm going to point out their sin, but I'm going to do it in such a way that if I was on the receiving end, I would feel like I'm being won over rather than being condemned. Uh, that is gentleness. Uh, gentleness is, doesn't, and you see it in the rest of the chapter next week, it doesn't necessarily mean that we hide the truth and we always say nice things to each other. It means that we say difficult things to each other, but in a way that seeks unity rather than that seeks divisions. Uh, you can say something to somebody in a gentle way. Uh, you can say something to somebody in the way that condemns uh, the other person. Uh, Paul Tripps speaks about this uh, in one of his devotions. He speaks about an attitude of grace that we ought to adopt as we engage with other people. He says we must not simply hold one another to high high relational standards of God's word, which is what we should do as a Christian community. Uh, If you're part of a life group, there's a space where you ought to be held accountable uh, but we ought not to just do that, uh, but we must, we must also daily offer the same grace that we've been given to one another so that we may have tools of grace in the lives of one another. Our confidence is not in the ability we have to keep God's law, but rather in the life-giving and heart-transforming grace of the one who has drawn us to himself and has the power to draw us to one another. Uh, So as you step into relationships, know that it's going to be difficult. Know that there's going to be standards that you have, that God has, that people are just not going to reach. And it is in those moments that you need to exercise humility and gentleness. Uh, Very often I've seen in my life where, like, you walk with somebody, you encourage them to take a different path, And they just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And here's where I knew that grace hadn't touched my life. Is when I got angry that this person, but we spoke about this thing. Why do you still go to that girlfriend when you know that you're going to fall into the same sin? And I get angry. What does anger do? It elevates me above this person. It doesn't see them as a sinner who needs to experience the same grace that I've experienced. What does Paul remind us? To have humility and approach that man with gentleness and say, man, we blow it. All of us blow it, but there's grace at the cross. Uh, This grace will bring you in. Uh, And to exercise gentleness uh, as we do so. He goes on to say, when we live with this confidence, we look at the difficulties of our relationships, not so much as hassles to be endured, which is why Paul says we must be eager to exercise this unity, uh, not as something that we like, ah, i got to do this, but as opportunities to enter into an even deeper experience of rescuing, transforming, forgiving, empowering grace uh, of Jesus, the one who's died for us and is always with us. Okay, so as we step into those difficult relationships, we don't want to do it begrudgingly, but we want to do it out of the resources that Christ gives us. We want to do it with this desire that, man, I wish a brother would experience at this church 
belonging. I wish that that brother who struggles with sin would experience forgiveness. I wish that they would be a better person because I've engaged with them. Uh, That they would be a better Christian uh, and find forgiveness because they've experienced grace and forgiveness uh, through this community. I wish this community would be a place where if I've blown it, I can run to and not away from. Uh, A place where I would feel like I belong. So these are the ingredients uh, that would make that happen. Humility, gentleness, patience. Patience is long-suffering. Knowing that you may see somebody falling one day, but that is not the ultimate picture of who they will remain. Amen. Just because somebody is struggling with one sin, and this is what I learned from a certain bishop by the name of Bishop Edwin. He stayed in the street. And he was adopted into God's family. And one of the things, man, I, I sometimes felt like this, this guy extended too much grace. Like he just had grace. And one of the things he used to say is that don't see somebody and write them off uh, because of who they are. Uh, walk with them because God is going to transform them. And that is the beautiful gospel message that we apply when we are patient with other people because, and this is the thing, it's very difficult to be patient with others, but very often we want others to be patient with us. So the same grace that you experience, the same love that you experience from the Father, when you, when you dwell in that, when you sit there, you're going to be able to walk in what Paul calls you. You're going to be patient because you know that you've sat with the Lord uh, who was patient with you. Uh, you want to live in a church community where patience is the order of the day, bearing with one another in love. And again, that is the theme and motivation that leads us. This love that we saw last week, the love of God, that he loves just towards us, and the love that we then extend towards others. If you don't sit in that grace, if you don't sit in the power of the gospel, if you don't sit in your belonging, you'll behave in ways that seek division instead of unity. Uh, But let me put it positively. The more we sit in our belonging, the more we are secure in our love for God, the more we are able to step into difficult relationships and not walk away out of convenience and comfort. May God impress that in our hearts as we step out into uh, into this week. And as we think about our own Christian life, our own commitment here at Christ Church Midrand, um, I was thinking about, like, if you are a Christian who's coming to Christ Church Midrand, I guess another question that you ought to be asking yourself is, are there, do I, step deeply into relationship? Am I so close enough to people that I can step on their toes? Okay, if you've never had a fight with somebody, and I'm not saying you should, right? And you've been here for eight years, maybe you're just not close enough. Because the closer you walk with people, the more difficult it's going to be. And if you are not experiencing that, join a life group. Join a life group where it's going to be nice. They're going to call you to a life of repentance, uh, but they're going to take you off at the same time. Uh, When they do, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, will lead us and challenge us not to walk away and unsubscribe, uh, but to move deeper into relationships. Let me pray that God would do that. Father, we are so thankful uh, for the resources we have in Jesus. 
that we cannot be humble in of ourselves unless we run to you, the God who was in the highest of all places but humbled himself to death, even death on the cross, uh, to rescue us and to bring us into a relationship with yourself. And we thank you that your humility empowers us to be humble. We thank you that you are gentle with us. And Lord, we long for that gentleness when we, blow, we, when we blow it. And I pray, Lord, that we would extend that gentleness towards others, uh, that we would seek to live uh, in relationships where uh, we would be required uh, to exercise this gentleness. Lord, I pray that we would be patient uh, and remember you who were patient with us and take resource from you, Lord, and draw deeply from your will. I pray that you would empower us uh, to be people who are patient with others, uh, that you'd empower us with people who bear with one another, to forgive others who have sinned against us, uh, and to step into the difficult moments instead of walking away and unsubscribing. Lord, as we live in a culture that is consumeristic, I pray that you'd empower us to be different, uh, to be people who want to offer of ourselves and not people who want to seek convenience and comfort. So please work in us, we pray, and thank you for the times where this has been the reality, uh, where forgiveness and reconciliation has been the reality in your church and in our local church. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.